In episode 15 of MobyCast, John and Chris teach me all about Docker Compose. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. Chris, Rich, welcome to MobyCast. Hey. Hey, everyone. Good to hear your voices again. This week, we're going to do a little bit of a, a bit more of a technical MobyCast, talk about something technical for 20 minutes. But before we get started, I just thought I'd see what you've been up to this week. Chris, what have you been up to? Um, this week, um, I am fighting off a summer cold. Summer colds, they are the uh, worst. Those are the worst. Uh, have you ever had a summer cold and allergies at the same time? Um, maybe, maybe, but, uh, I, I just, it just feels so unnatural, so unnatural to have a cold during, (laughs) during June. Right. Like, it's just like, I go the whole winter, you know, not even a sniffle and here it is June and it's like full blown cold. Uh, That's pretty brutal. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I guess all I can say is I'm glad I don't have one, but I am finding out some allergies. (laughs) (laughs) And how about you, Rich? What have you been up to? Uh, work's been good, but uh, the weather in Denver's been pretty incredible. Uh, so on Sunday, I played my first round of golf ever, uh, nine holes at a par three um, at some public course in Denver. And on my second shot, I laid it up like seven feet from the hole to putt for birdie the second time ever playing. And I still think I scored a six. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought I'd I'd missed out on this career of golf had I started it. (laughs) And then I realized that golf is incredibly hard and every every hole thereafter was pretty, was pretty terrible. So I'm back on par with everybody else. I'm sorry. Did you say this was the mini golf, the the miniature golf course and you were on the windmill (laughs) hole? (laughs) It it was a par three course. So it's like only one step removed from mini golf, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, and then as for me, this weekend, for the second time, I used the new ice cream maker that we got and made some cookie dough ice cream. And really, that's it's, it's stuck with me in more ways than one. So good and also has just stuck right with me. All that, <laughs> all that ice cream. Anyway, um, so let's get started. This week, we're going to talk about Docker Compose. Um, we talked a few episodes ago about how to set up Docker files for, you know, just the best practices when when setting things up for development and for um, use in staging or production. And uh, one of the tools that that we use for that is called Docker Compose. And and I was thinking about it a little bit, and I realized that um, while I've seen these configuration files and used this tool called Docker Compose, I think that I could use to understand it a little bit better. And fortunately, we have an expert with us here today that can give me a better education, help me understand. So I guess the first question I'll ask Chris is, what is it? What's Docker Compose? Yeah, so uh, Docker Compose is is part of the standard Docker tooling tool set um, that kind of comes with the the ecosystem, if you will. And and really what it is, is it's um, a, you can kind of think of it as it's like, orchestration for your for your laptop or your or your or your pc in that kind of environment so it's um it's a it's a it's a tool that is a wrapper around the various docker apis and commands um to kind of help make um that stuff easier so instead of manually um 
creating these Docker run commands or, you know, figuring out how to do volumes or how to um, inject aliases or DNS names. Um, instead, there's you use Docker Compose. And so Docker Compose is that is that tooling around the, the core Docker um, runtime that just automates a lot of this stuff for you, makes it a lot easier. So convenience functions type thing. Let me let me try to unpack that a little bit because I'm I'm not sure I've followed entirely. So Docker itself is, you know, it comes with a Docker command line utility that lets you say Docker start, Docker stop, uh, Docker run. And then it also has this other capability where you can create a Docker file that has some stuff in it that when you do Docker create, it knows, oh, let me go read what's in the Docker file. And I'm going to make a Docker image based on what's in that Docker file and do stuff based on what that Docker file tells me to do. Um, and some of the commands or some of the things that it does, and this is a question, uh, say, for example, there's a, a volume mount that's specified in a, in a Docker file. Is it possible, I guess, to specify a volume mount both either as part of the Docker file or as a Docker command? So you'd say you have a running Docker container. Can you say, hey, container, right now I want you to add a new volume mount, and here's a command for that? Uh, so can you, um, after the fact add, of, of a container yes. started, like then um, mount a volume? No. Yes. No, okay. So the, so mounting of volumes happens at creation time, and it happens, from my understanding, it happens through the Docker file specification, right? No. No. Okay, so help me understand exactly when mounting a, a volume occurs because I swear I saw it specified as like a, you know, in the Docker file as, hey, point this th- this directory to this directory. Yeah, so this is um, probably where it gets a little confusing. So um, your Docker, f- the Docker file itself, right, that is the the sequence of commands that that tells Docker how to build your image, right? And your mm-hmm. your image is is something that is completely portable, um, that will run in any right. any environment running Docker, right? So there's no there's no dependencies there or anything like that, right? Um, and so that's why the volume, you know, you're not specifying that in the in the actual image itself because it doesn't even know like what what host is it going to run on, right? Does that does that corresponding sure. file system even exist, you know, on the on the thing that I'm going to be running on? So. Um, mm-hmm. so that volume is specified as part of the runtime. So you can think of this compile time versus runtime, right? So the Docker image okay. is compile time. Um, volume mount is then runtime. And that's, so that's done okay. with the, the Docker run command, right? Okay. So when you do Docker run, when you say, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to instantiate this image as a container. Um, when you do that, you can specify all sorts of runtime settings. So whether they be networking or file system through volume mounts or DNS or IP addressing or whatnot, all that specified runtime, right? And those are some of the things, again, that Docker Compose helps make a lot easier, that it, that it helps you with that. Okay, so I think I'm clear on this now. So these runtime things are things that probably de- typically depend on the environment that the container is running in, the host. And they could be sent as flags or as arguments to a run command. Um, but they can also be specified in another way. And you're saying that Docker Compose is that other way. So I can say in a Docker Compose file, I can kind of create, I can, I can create this. I can say, okay, well, whenever I run 
whenever I run this container, I want to send it these these additional things so that it so that it runs in the way that I want it to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you know, underneath the covers, essentially, Docker Compose is going to be running a, a sequence of of Docker commands, and so it may do things like. It could do okay. a, a Docker build. It's going to do a Docker run. Um, it could do um, some other um, other commands as well, right? So it's at the end of the day, underneath the covers, that's what it's doing. But but again, instead of you having to like and manage it via you know purely via the command line and maybe having Bash scripts to capture all these these arguments correctly right. and set them up, right? Instead, you can just have your Docker Compose file, um, much more readable YAML configuration, um, and uh, not worry about the specific syntax. And, and it's just just much more efficient and effective. So if Docker didn't create Docker Compose, the open source community would have, right? It's like the most right, sure. in the world to have. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's exactly where my mind was going. It was, I was starting to picture... Docker commands with like six arguments afterwards, and each of the six arguments might have some long value, like like a deep directory, you know, file structure, you know, a deep uh, pointer to some file, you know, down deep in the file system, and just in- incredibly impossible to read. Like one Docker run command could be like four or five lines long on your terminal, um, and so Docker Compose like just makes a way for you to specify all that in a readable YAML way. Okay, so I get it. I understand what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, and, and by the way, I mean that's only part of what Docker Compose does as well, right? So sure, there's a lot. I mean, like I said, kind of back to like its orchestration for your local environment. So it really gets interesting when you have multiple containers that you want to be running as part of your of your environment, right? Like that's where it would um, really start getting to be. Um, quite cumbersome if you were just doing Docker run commands for each one of these things and kind of managing what sequence to start them up in and whatnot. So um, again, this is a a problem space that Docker Compose solves for you. And so it does allow you to like just about every kind of environment, you're almost always going to have like more than one container that's interesting to you. So even if you're just making, you know, like a, the standard microservice, um, chances are you got a backing database for that. Um, so at sure. the very least, you have, you have two containers. Hey, this is Rich. You might recognize me as the guy who introduces the show, but is pretty much silent during the meat of the podcast. The truth is, these topics are oftentimes incredibly complex, and I'm just too inexperienced to provide much value. What you might not know is that John and Chris created the training product to help developers of all skill sets get caught up to speed on AWS and Docker. If you're like me, and feel underwater in these conversations, head on over to prodockertraining.com and get on the mailing list for the inaugural course. Okay, let's dive back in. How is a Docker Compose file organized? Um, like what what would it have typically from top to bottom? Say, say we have exactly that type of situation where we have um, you know, we have a container that that's got some application in it and another container that we just want to have around for. Uh, because it's got a database in it that we want to test against. What what would be, you know, is it organized by environment? Like here's a section for dev, a section for stage, and a section for production? Or is it organized by life cycle? Like here's what you do first, and then second, and third. How is it organized typically, like for, for that type of situation? For the most part, you can think of it as there's sections for every container um, 
that could possibly be be instantiated. Um, okay. And, and and for the most part, I mean, that is the the you know the the base element that composes up these these Docker um, compose files is like what's the description of a container. So um, so you'll have things like what's the what's the name I want for the container. What image is it going to use? You can say either use a pre-built image or go build one. Um, okay. You can um, specify things like environment variables, and those can come either um, explicitly specified in the Docker Compose file, or you can have them in a in a dot file um, that it can pull from. Okay. Uh, you're going to specify. Sure. You can specify things like you know your uh, uh, networking settings for that container. Um, We've kind of um, talked about this quite a bit now. Obviously, volume mounts, um, you'd, you'd specify that <laughs> there as well for, for each one of these containers, right? Um, and so that that's the root, you know, that's kind of like the basic core um, building block of, of, the, um, of the Docker Compose files, basically these container descriptions. And so you'll have, you know, one to N containers in a Docker Compose file. Um, there are other associated, you know, um, high level sections that you would have in there. So you might define a custom network for Docker for your, um, for your containers to run on. And so that might be a, a top level element in there that you'd want to describe, tell Docker how to go create the, the, the network for your containers. Okay. okay. Um, you might have containers just for data volumes um, that you want to use for um, something that's uh, more persistent across container instantiations mm-hmm. Um so things like that, but it, it, for the most part, it's you're basically defining, um, you know, containers, and there's there's one to n of them, and and you can run these. You know, sometimes you'll you'll want like um, multiples of these running at the same time, and 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 startup sequence will matter. Other times, you might define very specialized um, versions of containers for doing things like running test. Um, Thing you know, so you, you may very well have a, a separate container definition just for doing test of your of your of of the kind of like the standard container. Um, so there might be some different settings there or whatnot that, that kind of makes sense for doing that. Right. So I'm still trying to get my head around. You know, I, I understand that now Docker Compose is going to be running Docker commands for me to instantiate my containers based on my actual. Host and and the thing and the, the way the containers interact with the host is going to be defined there in the in the Docker Compose file. But what I can't quite understand is, um, you know, you you'd said that it can build them and it can run them, and I'm like, but where and when? So I, I've got all these container level, you know, container top level elements. Where am I saying build it, or where am I saying run it? How does that work? Yeah, so that that comes down to just how you um, how you invoke Docker Compose itself. So um, just like Docker, the Docker command line, you know, executable will will take um, various action flags and, and and arguments and whatnot. Docker Compose um, has that as well. So you can tell Docker Compose to do things like build, or you can say Docker Compose just. Um, uh, up or down. And so up kind of means, you know, just, I want to bring up either this, you can say, I, I want to just bring up a certain name container. So I can say Docker compose up my restful API. Um, or you could do just Docker compose up. And that would say basically 
bring up all containers that are specified in my Docker Compose file. So, you, so okay. you, when you invoke Docker Compose, you tell it like what it is that you want to do. So, likewise, you can say, "Hey, I want you to to stop all my containers." So, Docker Compose down, and then maybe you want it to kill all the volumes and remove images when you do that as well. So, you Docker Compose down dash v dash rmi all um, type thing. Okay. So, so there's some. It, it's you know, you're getting away from the the Docker command line. Interface and its flags and and, and uh, flags, but the Docker Compose itself um, will have um, obviously for like it can it's very powerful. It has many different options, and um, you know, digging into that is 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 a worthwhile effort. Right. So I think a natural place where probably a lot of people's minds go as they're going through this process of learning Docker and after hearing what you just said is like, wait a minute. So Docker was going to relieve me of all of my dependencies on. Uh, various people's environments and get me away from that. Well, it works on what, my machine problem. But as soon as we reintroduce Docker Compose, it's sort of like, okay, well, the files need to be where they're supposed to be and the network needs to work the way it's supposed to work. And basically, Docker Compose is where we put a whole bunch of dependencies on your host. And it's like, wait, is this kind of breaking the philosophy? Because we have to share these Docker Compose files. You know, the, the Docker Compose files are checked into GitHub, I think. And since they're checked, in, you know, they're, they're checked into the source code repository, all the developers share the same Docker Compose file, which means don't they have to all kind of have the same essential things on their host machines and the same basic structure of where their files are and stuff? Kind of, but um, at the end of the day, like it's it's not really any um machine dependencies um usually like things like a volume mount in your docker compose file it's it's it may very well be for things like uh exposing uh like log files so it's kind of a convenience type uh-huh. thing um you may be exposing kind of artifacts of a build process like like test coverage reports um and so you know typically you'd specify that stuff as uh locations that are relative to the home location for your entire project, right? So if it's, you know, you're working in something like Git and you're, you know, you're at a, you know, the root level of that, of that project and that repo, um, then in your Docker Compose file, you might say like my host volume mount is the current directory um, and then, you know, slash volume or something, whatever, whatever the name is that you want for your volume. Sure, to be, sure. Right. So, so it, it and you can you can build that up and tear it down um, in your scripts itself, right? So you can you can definitely define all this stuff so that it really it literally is like there's there's not I mean it really should be that there's nothing anyone really has to do other than hey install Docker install Git do a clone Docker compose up and it just works. Interesting. I guess it's still you know the the thing that sort of boggles my mind a little bit and that I, I may have to spend some time thinking about is just the fact that just where the line is, right? So you just explained, well, yes, yes, it does. It does it does give you the opportunity to introduce some host system types of dependencies, but, um, but a s- smart developer would make sure to make those dependencies relative so that it works on anybody's machine. That, that sort of jarred my, uh, the world is perfect kind of, happiness of towards docker just a little bit it was just like a little bit of a uh, but you gotta make sure you do this right 
And then, and then it, it also was sort of like, well, if you can do it in there, then why can't you do it in the Docker file? Like, why couldn't I just um, say, hey, Docker's got an ability to do it volume map, but it's got to be relative because it can't have any dependencies on external systems. But it can at least assume that an external system has a file system and I can point to things on that file system from based on my own, you know, the directory from which I'm running in. So I don't know. There's just like this little bit of cognitive dissonance after hearing this whole story. Some things to keep in mind is that one, you know, volume mounts, like again, we, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. really like it kind of goes against Docker, right. In the whole, um, sure. isolated hermetically sealed container. Right. So like we're punching sure. holes, like if we're using volume mounts, we're punching holes and we're kind of, we're, we're escaping the purity of containerism. So like once you open okay. that box, like, I'm sorry, you know, like, um, that, that promise is now gone. Like you, you've, you've broken the seal. So right. If you now start um, having issues with like, oh, it doesn't work on my machine anymore, or it's it's not deterministic anymore, well, that's because we we broke that hermetic seal. Another thing to keep in mind is that um, you know definitely in the past, older versions of Docker they they did have a a way to specify volume mounts in the actual image creation. Um, it was uh-huh. confusing, um, and. I'm I'm pretty sure this was before Docker Compose existed. Um, okay. It, it may very well still exist. So there may be some other facility for doing this. I just personally right. have not had any use case for it in the last three years. Um, but it 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 may be. I don't think it is because um, I just I just don't see how it makes sense. But it definitely was in the past, and, and it was very confusing. Um, but once Docker Compose came around and, and allowed, and Docker, the Docker command line itself allowed you to specify volume mounts, I believe that's when it was deprecated. Okay, interesting. Uh, and then, uh, so now that I'm, I'm, you know, I can I can sort of live with this cognitive dissonance, and I can sort of understand, you know, this build time versus runtime type analogy that we're using for Docker commands versus what we specify in our Docker Compose configuration files. Um, I think there's one last piece that I'm kind of missing is that I know that at Kelsis we do, um, you know, different things based on what environment that we're in. We we have things that run in test mode or things that we do special for staging sometimes and things that we do for production. Um, do we manage any of that in, in Docker Compose or is that in another system outside of Docker Compose? Yeah, I mean, I mean, us personally at Kelsis, um you know, uh, Docker Compose is really for um, local development only. Um, so again, okay. like kind of going back to like, think of it as like an orca, like it's almost like an orchestrator um, for your for your mm-hmm. laptop, if you will, for your laptop environment. Once we sure. get to cloud, right, we're using other things like we use ECS. Other people might might use um, Kubernetes. Um, so you know, you wouldn't use Docker Compose there. Um, so um, so in that sense. Um, yeah, you're not managing um, different environments in your in your compose file, and you also like this uh, kind of a, a, a related note to this too is that you typically won't create separate images for each one of your environments either. So you know, this is one of the kind of like the, yeah, um, good point. Good the point. image purity things, right? You have a single image, and then you use runtime information to dictate what the per environment type stuff is. So 
if this is mm-hmm. staging versus versus prod, right? That's all these um, environment uh, runtime settings. Got it. Got it. Yeah, this is super helpful. I think in my sort of muddling way of of like doubting and being confused, uh, I may have gotten to kind of the key point for Docker Compose, which is that it helps you in your dev environment on your machine. That's that's a great place to use it. So it can save you a bunch of typing and or a bunch of weird scripts that have lots of Docker commands in them so that you can bring up and bring down your environment and build it and, and do those things with just quick little one-line commands. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and um, well, it's also super useful as well, like in CI environments. So um, when you're running tests and those tests require more than one container to be running, like um, Compose sure. is, is like a must-have type thing. Right. So your CI environment may be something that where your containers are just running on a bare machine instead of in an orchestrated environment like ECS or, or some other Correct. Built up orchestrated environment that has its own way of, of dealing with containers and images. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Cool, cool. All right. Well, um, anything else to add before we close off for today? No, other than Docker Compose, it's a good thing and do it. <laughs> right on. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Chris and Rich. Talk to you next time. Thank yeah, thank guys. you. See ya. Bye. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash 15. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.